and 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 I I used to all the time get really frustrated with that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, who cares? Like, it's all just smoke and mirrors without the word of the Lord. That's why I love the paper Bible. Because <gasps> when the EMP comes, I can still read it. All right. So anyway, that's another thing. So as many of you, as many of you guys know, um, I uh, I was in Iowa this week with my wife Crystal, and we had a great time uh, pe- preaching at Pastor Kerry Gordon's church, Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. And it, it's always interesting when you go preach at uh, another person's church. And I'll just be honest with you, like in the flesh, you just want to come and just like rock it, right? Like. What do I want to do? I want to lay an egg? Like, you don't, you don't want to go to some place and they're like, why'd you have that guy come? Don't ever have that guy come again. And so the way the process works is that most pastors will go and they'll just like, you find the best sermon you preached in the last three years. You go in there, you breathe fire. And everybody's like, oh, it's so awesome. And you're like, yeah, well, I had one good sermon in the last three years and I just preached it to you. And so I, was, I, I had asked Crystal, uh, well, I went through so many sermons and I couldn't find one to preach. And so I asked Crystal, I said, honey, what am I supposed to preach? And she said, pray and ask the Holy Spirit what you're supposed to preach. I was like, well, you're about as helpful as a bag of rocks. <laughs> and so, so, then, so then I texted Pastor Kerry and I said, Pastor Kerry, what do you want me to preach when you come? And he said, pray and ask the Holy Spirit and see what he wants you to preach. I was like, well, you're real helpful. And so I, I prayed and fasted and dug into the well, and the Lord gave me a message to preach in Sioux City, Iowa. And um, it, it's interesting when you, you can go into somebody else's church and you can be really courageous and say what needs to be said, and then you come back to your own church, and then sometimes it's hard to have as much courage to speak to your own people because, like, when am I going to see those guys again? You know what I mean? And then uh, the Holy Spirit once again spoke through my wife and said, Honey, why don't you preach that sermon at our church on Sunday? And I was like, Well, there I only preached once, so I mean, I didn't even get the mileage out of it, right? I mean, <laughs> one preaching on a Sunday is like a day off. <laughs> so we're going to trust God and the Holy Spirit and my wife this morning. This is a message for our church, and we're just going to preach it. How does that sound? Amen. Sound good? All right, let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. God, we desperately need you in our lives. And so we pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. First Kings chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth and with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. 
Now what's happening in this story is this, is that David has been king of Israel and so he's fixing to die. And so now he's telling his son Solomon the marching orders for what he's supposed to do as he is the king of Israel. And he makes it very clear. He says that you are going to be strong, prove yourself a man, keep charge of the Lord, walk in his ways, keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it's written in the law of Moses. And then he says, if you do that, things are going to prosper and there's going to be a righteous king on the throne of Israel. And, and, and David is giving his son these marching orders, understanding that the point of Israel and the point of the kingship was to await the arrival of the ultimate king of the Messiah. And so they knew this. And so David uh, and Solomon, their, their whole goal was let's maintain this nation of Israel. Let's maintain the throne of Israel until the ultimate king comes. And the ultimate king is Messiah. The ultimate king is Jesus. They, they knew that God was going to send that ultimate king. And so there were certain things they had to do to be able to maintain that so that when Messiah came, that Israel still existed, that it was still there as a kingdom and there still was a, a throne for Messiah to sit on. Now, for us... As the Christian church, we have one goal, one goal. There's many facets of the outpouring of that goal, but the one goal is this, is we need to maintain until Christ's return. Man, we need to maintain until Christ's return. It's so easy for the church, a church, to get pulled in so many different directions. And I tell you this morning that as a Christian church, our main goal is we need to be here and exist when Christ returns. Because if he comes back and there's not a church to save, then we're lost. Every time we gather together, we are doing the work of the Lord in that we are together and we are existing. And so David is wanting to impart these truths into Solomon. And these are some solid truths that are going to sustain him. Now Solomon wasn't a perfect king. He did some good. He uh, created a lot of wealth for Israel. There was a, a lot of land that he got. He, he had a lot of influence. And he also did some bad things Solomon did. He had some bad deals that he made with uh, Egypt and he wasn't really fully trusting God all the time. And, and this morning, what, I, what I'm not going to do is we're not going to spend a lot of time picking apart Solomon's life and saying, be like Solomon, don't be like Solomon. What we're going to do is this, is that as David gave Solomon marching orders, they gave him very clear directions on what they should be doing while they're awaiting Christ's return. What we're going to do is we're going to look at some marching orders that God has given us that we should be doing while we're awaiting Christ's return, right? You're not a king. You're not on a throne. You're, you're a, a child out of the king, but you're waiting to receive Christ when he returns, right? And so when, when, when we look at it, the main point is this, is if you do good things, good things will happen. Kings will reign. Keep your eye on the prize. Don't lose focus. Don't be a dirt bag. David told Solomon what to do, and it was good, and it was righteous, and it was God-glorifying. The question is on you, will you be obedient to what you know God has called you to do? Will you, not someone else, you. Whenever you're here and you're listening to these messages, you've got to always look to the inward man and say, how does this apply to me? Not looking to your left or your right, thinking who this is for, this is for you. The first and most important marching order from God is this. You must be a Christian. You have to get saved. And the reason why we call it saved is because you you get saved from your sin. Now there's a few types of people in church uh, this morning. You are either saved, you are either lost, or you think you are saved. 
And people say, Pastor, you always talk about sin and salvation in church. It's because there's a bunch of unsaved people that attend our church. I'm waiting for you to get saved. I'm waiting for you to come to Christ. We have a lot of visitors and people that come. And if they come here not hearing the gospel... What good are we? We're no good. If you have not repented, meaning turned, turned from your sins and received Christ's forgiveness, the Bible says that you are dead in your sins. The Bible says that God's wrath rests upon you, and that's not a good thing. Quit lying and telling yourself that you're going to heaven for any other reason than Jesus Christ and his cross. You don't go to heaven because you go to church. You don't go to heaven because you live a good life. Even sinners try to live a good life so they won't lose what they have. You're you're not going to heaven because your grandfather was a Christian or your parents were in the ministry. Your only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ himself. Putting your full faith and assurance in him. When I die and I stand before God, my my only play will not be, hey, I went to church and I had a pastorship and I led people to you. None of that matters. All I have before Christ is I was a vile sinner and I needed you. I put my faith in you to set me free from the law of sin and death. The Bible says in John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And if you are not a believer in Jesus and you haven't repented from your sins, the Bible says that God's wrath is on you. God, God is not pleased with how you're living. God is not pleased with your life. This idea that God's love means his acceptance is a lie from the pit of hell. You, you can love your children and hate what they're doing. They cannot have your approval. The only way to receive God's approval is through Jesus Christ. It's through accepting that free gift of grace. You need to turn from your sins. In every church in America, there are people who love to play church. They love the songs, and they love the people, and they love the music, love all of that stuff. They love the people. Right now, you need to be honest with God and yourself. If you haven't turned from your sins and turned towards God in faith, repent today. Don't, don't let your pride be the reason why you go to hell. Yeah. Don't tell people like, well, you know, I've gone to church for a lot of years. I know a lot of people that went to church for a lot of years, and one day they finally get it, and they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I've been living a lie. Yeah. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. You've got to admit that you're a sinner that needs a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what it says in Romans 3.23. It's interesting. A saved person never gets tired of hearing this message. If you're saved and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you love Jesus and you hear the, 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 the gospel go forward, you're like, praise God, I hope somebody's getting saved today. If there's a resistance in your spirit of when is he going to stop talking about it, it's for you. Because if you were saved and you were sanctified and you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you'd be excited about that message. You wouldn't feel convicted. You'd be excited. If, they, if, if the message convicts you, it's because it's for you. Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to repent 
Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. One of the greatest statutes that we're given from God is that we need to be part of his church. We need to be part of his church. When David told Solomon to keep his statutes, there's a message there. There's statutes that God had given to Israel. It's interesting, in, in, in Israel's times, I guarantee you that when Solomon became king, he didn't pull back from Israel and be like, I'm king, I don't have to be a part of Israel anymore. Come on. I'm, I'm sure that once somebody was part of Israel, they didn't go set up a camp at their own little hut and say, well, I don't want to be part of the nation of Israel. I'm doing my own little thing over here. I don't need the protection of the king. I don't need the protection of the kingdom. I'm just going to walk in my own ways. Christian people have statutes of God that we need to keep. Yes. And, and some say, well, pastor, that's legalism. I'll tell you what legalism is. Legalism is saying, do these things and you will be saved. Yes. Being a Christian is you are saved, do these things. Yes. Like if you're saved, man, there's statutes of God that you need to keep. God didn't give out a pamphlet. He gave out a Bible. Yes. It was filled with a bunch of stuff that you need to be, good, need to be doing. Yes. And one of the things that's abundantly clear within the scriptures is that we are to gather together for worship. Yeah. It's always been that way, that we should gather together for worship. Yeah. That we shouldn't ever be a person that is, uh, uh, that, that is not going to uh, gather together as the people of God. Amen. Never. We shouldn't do those things. Yeah. Christians have gathered for millenniums. Before then, the people of God would gather together. We can't ever be people that don't gather together for worship. When we worship together, when we fellowship, when we disciple, when we give, when we serve. If you are saved, if you call yourself a Christian, you need to make being at church a priority. You need to be being at church a priority. And people say, well, pastor, why are you so filled with legalism? I'm not filled with legalism. I'm filled with the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. I'll read it to you. I'll read what it says. If I can find it, my paper Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful... And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. Folks, have you noticed that we're living in perilous times? If you are not part of the church, you are not going to make it. If you are not part of God's church, you're not going to make it. This is the bride of Christ. This is the place where God wants you to be. And I and, and I tell you, I've been a pastor now for almost 16 years. I've been serving God for almost 30 years. And, and I watch people that slip away from the house of God and then they slip away from Christ. People say, well, I don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I don't believe that, man. Come on. I don't believe that at all. I, I believe that if you're a Christian, you want to be in church. Yeah, that's right. 
See, here's the thing, man. The, the things that church provides outside of the spirituality, you can find anywhere. If you want to find friends, it's really easy. You can go to any bar in any city. All you have to do is you go to the bar, you drink the alcohol, and you just hang out. If you go there every single day, you build friendships. And then when you, your family has problems, you need you know, help with your shed or need a trip to the airport, any one of those guys at the bar will give you a trip to the airport and help you with your shed. If, you, if your family needs help to do whatever, it becomes this great place where you can be and you can find that anywhere. If you want friends, buy a motorcycle or a fishing boat or, or you know, join a club or whatever. You can find friends everywhere. You don't, you don't have to do the church to, to do that. Yeah. Or, or maybe the church is the pillar of truth to this world. Yes. Maybe the church is the only organization that's going to outlive every other organization. Yes. If church is a have to in your mind, I question your salvation. Come on. I really do. People say, well, man, that's kind of judgmental. I'm like, is it? Because I'm the one whose job it is to lead you to Christ. Yes. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to get you to heaven. Yes. And if you don't like, if you, I, I don't like, I don't like the singing part. You don't like the singing part. You're like worshiping God. Why is that guy always, t- I, I don't like the preaching part. Why? Because it reveals things about your life you need to change to be like Christ. I don't like hanging out with all those people. They don't like hanging out with you either. Jeez, man. I shouldn't have to convince you to come to church. Make a commitment to make this your last church. Quit shopping. Be committed. You, you cannot walk out the verses of the New Testament unless you're part of a church. And don't you dare use God's word uh, to, to defend why you don't go to church. Well, I read in Romans, oh, the letter to the church? You... can't use a letter to the church to defend why you don't go to church. So you can't use Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians. Don't use Timothy because that was to a pastor of a church. <laughs> Titus is written. You, you can't use Revelations to the seven churches. This book belongs to the church. You can't even read it without the church. 1 Peter 4.10 is each one has received a gift, ministered it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Folks, God has given you gifts that he wants to use in your life to lead other people to him. God, God did not make, listen, God did not make me a good preacher so that I could lead people anywhere else except to him. And I've told you guys this before, man. I, like, I got in a line and this is what he gave me, man. This is all I got. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially. See, we, we as a church are supposed to do, do good things outside of the church, but charity starts at home. Yeah. We, you, look at, you look at most of the verses about serving and loving in the New Testament. They're written to the church. They're not written to people outside of the church. We, we have to learn how to love and lead each other inside of the church, especially to those who are in the household of faith. I, I live by a very strict rule. You should be in church every single week. Even when you're on vacation, there's churches there. They got churches at Disneyland. They got churches at Bogdan Kipko. He's there on Sundays. I don't care where, if you're camping with your family, get your kids out of the tent and get them to the whatever Baptist church is down the road from the campground. 
They'll, they'll be glad to have you there. You show your kids the value in church and they're going to value church. You take a vacation from church, they think that they get to take a vacation from church. Tithe. It's the way that God supports his church. Invite people to church. Serve at church. Help out at church. Protect your church. Defend her. Hold her in high regard. She's Christ's bride. Would you let someone badmouth your wife? If you let somebody badmouth your wife, you are not a man. Let somebody badmouth your church. You kidding me? Third marching order is you got to trust your pastor. Don't worship me. Trust me. See, the life of David has shown that David wasn't perfect and Saul wasn't perfect, but David submitted to Saul as king. He didn't submit to Saul because he was perfect. He submitted to Saul because he was king. And so then he tells Solomon that he's got to submit. And the only reason he can tell Solomon to submit is because he himself was submitted. He wasn't submitted to the man. He was submitted to the uh, the, uh, position. As a pastor, I've learned that submission is very, very hard for people. You know, we were in uh, Sioux City this week with Pastor Kerry, and it was, it was very interesting. Uh, Pastor Kerry didn't start the church. His father, Larry, passed, uh, started the church. He pastored it for 40 years, and then he retired, and then he handed the church over to Kerry. And I asked Kerry, I said, what's it like having your dad in church? He said, it's great. I said, does he create any problems for you? He's like, nope. He said, does people go to him for decisions? He said, nope. He's no longer the pastor. I'm the pastor. Yeah. So now the people submit to Pastor Kerry. They don't submit to Pastor Larry anymore because he's no longer the pastor. What one day, if Christ hastens his return, I will stand before you and I will hold some man up here and I will say, this is your pastor. And then I will sit down and I will submit to that pastor. And some days I wish it came quicker than others. Man, I'm going to submit to that guy. I can't wait to submit to that guy. Because I tell you, I, I, know what submission, I know what submission looks like after being a pastor, man. As, as a pastor, I, I can't begin to describe to you the amount of emotional pain that I've experienced. I've experienced more emotional pain in, in the ministry than anywhere else in my life. Some, some of the most hateful things that people will say and hateful things that they will do to me and my wife and my kids... Listen, my my wife is not blowing the tithe on a pair of shoes, okay? You get a paycheck, I get a paycheck. You spend your money on whatever it is that you think is important, and I give all my money to my wife so she can buy shoes. If she wants to save up all her nickels until there's a sale at the rack for $40 pairs of shoes and she can have whatever shoes my wife wants. I ain't blowing the tithe. Jeez. Now some people would say, well, pastor, it's kind of self-serving for you to talk about respect to the pastor in the middle of your sermon, isn't it? Well, what's interesting is if you've ever met my kids, they're very respectful. And the reason why is because I taught them respect. I'm your pastor. It's my job to teach you. And if the Bible talks about submission to the pastor and I don't teach you that, how are you going to know that that's what you're supposed to do? It's not self-serving. I'm not, I'm not making my kids uh, respectful for any other reason that they're going to go out into the world and be respectful contributors of society. And so I taught them respect. They're, I say, you don't do that. You don't say that. That's not the right way to live. If you don't love me, it's really easy. You can leave the church. It, I didn't coerce you to be here this morning. It's peace, man. 
People do that. People do that all the time. People say, "Man, I don't like that guy." That's good. It's good. If you don't like me, leave. Because <laughs> you know, people question my motives, my heart, my intentions, my theology, my my family. But but if this is your church, I am your pastor. Walk out the scriptures that go with it. There, there's there's no. You, you can't attend this church and be like, hashtag, not my pastor. Like, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. I, for the life of me, and, and pastors talk about it all the time, I don't know why people go to a church where they hate the pastor. Dude, just leave. Just go. Hebrews 13, 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. I want you to judge me. Judge me. Judge me by my fruit, man. If you think I'm godless, take me out in the parking lot and stone me. Leave. But just don't kill me by death of a thousand cuts. Ask my wife if I'm a good man. Ask her if I'm a good husband. Ask my kids if I'm a good father. Ask the people that know me. Is he a righteous man that lives righteously, that's attempting to serve God and uh, attempting to move the church towards eternity? And if I am, then submit. But if not, just go. Seriously. It's a whole lot. I I can do more with 200 committed than 600 that hate me. This is the promise that God has for us. And it was prophetic. It was prophetic that he would give pastors to guide us. Jeremiah 3.15, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart. Oh, I wish you knew my heart that I have for you. It's the father's heart. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. This is a gift from God himself. That he would place you in a church with a pastor that wants to give you the heart of God. This is a gift from God, Ephesians 4.11. And he himself, Jesus, gave. He himself gave. The, the, The pastor is a gift to the church. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the body of Christ. That's my whole entire job. My job is to equip you that you could do the work of the ministry. That's, That's what I'm supposed to do. It's not my job to do everything. It's my job to teach everybody to do everything. So they can walk in their gifting. So they can walk in their calling. So that when Christ returns, he finds a church. He finds a bride. He finds a, 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 a Philadelphia church. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so without, with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Let, let's, let's, let's pan back, okay? Let's get out the wide-angle lens here, and let's really talk about what I ask of you guys, okay? Love one another. Who's he think he is? Forgive them. Why is he so controlling? Can you get along with people? Yeah. He's such a jerk. Yeah. Can you be nicer to your spouse? Yeah. Why is he always telling me what to do? Yeah. Fully submit to God in every area of your life. Yeah. Man, that guy thinks he's a know-it-all. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, 
the stinky onion is this. I'm just trying to get you to fully submit to God in every area of your life. That's it. By a show of hands, who's came over and mowed my lawn for free? No one. Yes. my position as a pastor, man. I might take advantage of the priest of my household, but not as, not as a pastor. Oh. But there are pastors out there that do it, right? I don't take advantage of you guys. I pay people to do stuff. I don't want to just take advantage of it because I respect my position as your pastor. Oh man, that was funny. <laughs> Don't do that in next service. <laughs> here's the uh, here's the next point of this sermon. Is you gotta grow up, man. You really do. You gotta own your own spirituality. See, David was a warrior, and he expected his son to be a warrior, right? David had fought lions. David had fought bears. David had fought Goliath. And, and I'm sure when he handed the throne over to Solomon, he said, listen, now you're king. Act like it. Yeah. Like be a warrior. Take care of what you need to take care of. Yeah. Now, as a, as a parent, I'm not trying to kick my kids out sooner than they need to be. I, that's just our model. That's what we're talking about. I tell my kids, I want you to stay until you've saved up enough money to buy, to a down payment on a house when you're self-sustaining. I think that this idea of we kick our kids out early and they just kind of fend for themselves, just in this economy, it just sets them up for failure because they can never get ahead. They need to build a, a, a solid foundation. But at some point, they got to get out, man. Man. I tell you, if you think my wife got shoe money now, wait till those kids get out, man. Man, they just walked through the kitchen. It cost me $50. Dude, they eat all my food and they got all this school stuff and everything else. But I, it's fine. They're my kids. But when they're adults, I expect them to be able to take care of themselves. Ever since I moved out of the house, nobody has ever paid any of my bills ever. Ever. I've never had to go to my mom or ask for money or have to borrow money from somebody to pay a bill. My mom, and she did help us get into our house and loaned me $6,000 back in 2004. We paid it back and she offered that. We didn't even ask for it. But that, that to me is the mark of being an adult. You take care of yourself. You don't expect other people to be able to take care of you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, <clears throat> 
When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But, but when I became a man, I put childish things, I put away childish things. See, what's acceptable when you're a child isn't acceptable when you're an adult. And, and in faith, we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to advance. We're supposed to mature. And if you're not growing, advancing, maturing, you should look at yourself and think like, well, why is it? Why am I, why am I not growing? Like, have, have you ever been around a toddler before? Like, I, I serve in the children's ministry on Wednesday nights. Um, I serve in the toddler room. I encourage everybody to, to serve in some sort of ministry and children's ministry is a great place to serve. People say, and people say, well, aren't you grandstanding? That's exactly what I'm doing. The reason why I serve down the children's ministry because I want to show you that I'm not above service. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not doing myself. So I hang out with the toddlers, man. They're a fun bunch. They really are. I, it's sometimes the easiest part of my week, hanging out with the toddlers. It's goldfish crackers. <clears throat> Now, you, uh, you, you take one of those toddlers to a grocery store and you put them in the, in the aisle. It's pretty confined there. They just kind of twirl around, right? Just kind of talk and they might flip something over and they're playing with the magazines. They're... Bleh, bleh. That's what they do. Now, if you and I went to Safeway today after church and I'm in the, in the aisle like this... Bleh, We got a problem. <laughs> Somebody said the police. They think I was out of my mind. Yeah. If I started just laying on the floor in Safeway. Because <laughs> when you're a toddler, that's acceptable. Yeah. When you're an adult, it's not acceptable. Yeah. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Yeah. Even Jesus grew up. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor and in favor with God and men. And you would say, well, isn't that Jesus? That's not me. Well, 1 Samuel 2.26, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. Folks, as Christians, we need to be progressing in our spirituality. <clears throat> and sometimes you don't have to pray about it. You just got to be about it. I'm tired of people talking about what the Bible says and then you ask them about it like, well, I'm still praying about that. Why, why are you still praying about it? Yeah. It's in black and white. God wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to pray about it. You just have to be about it. Yeah. God's asked you to do it. You're going to do it. Yeah. People say, well, I'm still praying about whether or not I should serve in, in that ministry in the church. Listen, man, I'm not, I'm not called to the children's ministry. I'm called to serve God. And if that's where he needs me, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. People say, well, you know, I'm still praying about whether or not I should tithe. <clears throat> okay. I'm praying about whether or not I should start a prayer life. <laughs> praying about whether or not I need to read my Bible. I'm praying about whether or not God wants me to stop this sin or not. I'm still praying about it. Ha- haven't we covered this? Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. So funny when a, a visiting pastor will come in from out of town and preach a sermon. And then people come up to me afterwards and like, Pastor, oh my gosh, did you hear what he said? He said we should love one another. Oh, it's groundbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you been listening for the last 10 years? 
See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 that if you need milk, you're a baby. That's what it says. If you're the same spiritually as you were the day you got saved, the Bible says you're a baby. People say, well, that's kind of offensive to say, listen, man, come live underneath my roof for a day and you'll see what it's like in the house of Gratunus. We're, God, we're honest to a fault. I don't, I don't lie to my kids. I don't, I, don't, I don't play this game where I blame their coaches and their teachers for their failures. I lay it at their feet. And I'm like, listen, man, if you would have studied, you would have passed. If, if, you would have, if you would have worked harder, you would have done better in that sport. If you would have been a nicer friend to them, you, would have, you wouldn't have lost them as a friend. I'm not going to set my kids up for failure and lie to them. So I'm not going to come down here and lie to you as well. Can, can we just be Christian people who know the truth and want to grow spiritually? Like if someone's trying to get, yeah, you can clap to that. That's good. <clears throat> Do we have to deal with the same sins over and over? See, here's what's interesting. Was it, if, if, if there was a... If there was a... If there was a, say, a person in church whose cell phone went off, right? Time to share the sermon. I'm just messing with you. Let's say that, let's say that there's a, a man that beats his wife, right? And then he gets saved. You would expect that after he got saved, he would stop beating his wife. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have this guy like just continue to beat his wife and like, oh, that's just John. That's what he deals with. There's not a person in this room that would agree with that. So if, you know, whoever that guy is can stop beating his wife after he gets saved, is it too much to ask that there's other areas of his life that he can now overcome? Or is it only just mutually exclusive for wife beating? No. Either Christ redeems and Christ sets free or he doesn't. And if he does, that means that we should be progressing spiritually. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Here's my last point. Is it part of our marching orders? Man, we got to take this thing seriously. We really do. People don't take their faith seriously anymore. And, and, and those of us that do take their faith seriously, people will say things like, oh man, that church is a cult. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, saying the church is a cult is an insult to cults. Yeah. It really is. Because <laughs> if this thing's a cult, I, like, like I said, man, I, where's my Rolls Royce? You know what I mean? Where's people singing songs to me? Because I'm missing out on all that. I'm cleaning, I'm cleaning toilets here. You, you shouldn't marry a spouse, take a job, buy a house or a car, or raise your kids in such a way that it will deeply affect your spirituality. You just shouldn't. That, that should be the dividing point of how is this going to affect my spirituality. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be vulnerable, vulnerable here for a minute, and I apologize because I know that this sermon will go online, but it's just the truth, man. One of the uh, greatest pains in my life is my relationship with my father. You know, my parents got divorced when I was three years old. And my father's in his 80s. And um, our relationship is just, frankly, not good. Like, I've tried over the years to try to build a relationship with that guy, and it just doesn't work. My father, is a, my father has literally probably dozens of world records in weightlifting. You can Google his name online. You can see it. There's dozens of them. And my dad is now in California, and he's sitting in a living room surrounded by all of these medals, surrounded by all of his trophies. You know what he's not surrounded around? is his son's at all because his life was very clear what was important to him himself his awards and his women that's that those are the three things that he wanted most in his life he didn't he don't want a relationship with me he don't want a relationship with his other son he took those things really seriously and he's got the awards to 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 prove it 
He's, got, he's gotten his just reward. He invested what he wanted to invest and got the return which he wanted to return. And now at the end of his life, he can't turn around and say, well, I didn't invest in this for the last 44 years. Now I'm expecting this sort of re- return to magically happen. It just doesn't, the world doesn't work that way. I'm investing in the things of God. I'm investing in the kingdom. I'm investing in his church. I'm investing in everything pertaining to God and and, and believing that that's going to produce the type of life that I want. And currently it's doing it. I have the type of life that I want to have because I'm putting God first. Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Quit serving the gods of work, school, sports, scouting, clubs, friends, and all this other stuff. I don't care if my kids are great at sports. I care if they go to heaven. I've always put God's church before my wife. I've put it before my kids. And, and you know what's interesting? My wife still loves me, and my kids still love me, and they all serve God. Yeah. Amen. I, I taught my kids from an early age that you are not that important. God is much more important than you are. Amen. And so, wow, magically, both my kids love the Lord. They both want to be at church. Uh, you know, we, were, we weren't here last week. Did any of y'all see my kids? Yeah. 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 They got themselves, they set their alarms and drove themselves down here because they want to be at church, even though mom and dad aren't at church. Whose life are you living? Seriously, ask yourself. And if you ask yourself like, man, I don't seem to really care about it that much. That's an indication that something's wrong. Because if you did care about it that much, if you don't care about it that much, it means that there's something wrong in your heart if you're not taking it that seriously. John 12, 25, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If you want to see the best that Jesus has to offer, lose your life in him. Lose your job, your house, your friends, your finances. Lose all those things to Jesus Christ and watch what he does with your life. Change your friends, change your plans, change whatever you can change to take this thing seriously. This is what Paul said in Philippians 3.8. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Folks, there's nothing more important than this walk with Jesus, man. Nothing. It's more important than any other thing on this side of heaven because it is the only thing that will endure past this life. Amen? Amen. Will you close your eyes? Will you bow your heads? If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And, it's, and, and I ask every single week, and I'll continue to ask every single week. Why? Because I care about people getting to heaven so they can worship God for eternity. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. And it's really quite simple. Either you're living for Jesus or you're not. Either you've been forgiven of your sins or you haven't. And if you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do it today, I'm not asking you to have the strength to do it. I'm asking you to admit to God, I've got no strength. All I need is you. If you've never made that decision before and you want to do it for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. Now, I don't know what else Jesus spoke to you in this sermon. Maybe there's a little thing, a big thing or whatever. Just repent. Just go to God and say, you know what, God, I, this is an area of my life that needs to be different. Would you help me do it by your strength? And you know what? He's a gentleman. He will. Father, we praise you this morning, God. Father, we thank you that you're a God that saves, that you're a God that redeems. We submit our lives to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Let's stand up.